This is a Handshake Agency podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Room Podcast on the Handshake Media Network. I'm your host, Neil Griffiths. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. It feels a bit like deja vu because my guest on this week's show, admittedly, was only on in late October, but it's a very exciting day because Amy Shark, after three years, is back with her second album. It's called Cry Forever. It is out Right now, be sure to check it out on Spotify and Apple Music and everywhere you listen to your music after this podcast, obviously. So this is the follow-up to Amy's 2018 debut, Love Monster, which debuted at number one on the ARIA charts, one ARIA album of the year. She's finally back, and it's such a good album to listen to. Um, I think when we when we did this podcast back in October, we knew a little bit about the album. Um, we knew that she'd been writing something with Ed Sheeran. We knew some um, song names. We hadn't heard the extent of it, though. We now know, obviously, that Ed Sheeran song was a collaboration that she's now done with Keith Urban that is on this album. We spoke a lot about the songs, particularly the song Amy Shark, uh, which is, as she says, her most personal song to date. We talked about uh, why that song needed to be on the album, the, the tough conversation about whether that song should be on the album, uh, as well as her upcoming tour in arenas around Australia, which sounds so crazy, but it's so good to say. So this is Amy Shark on The Green Room. Check it out. Um, all right, let's just pretend we just, we're in. It's happening. Hi, Amy Shark. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great. Um, look, we, spoiler alert, two minutes ago you walked in here. Zig was just ready, so we thought, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's, let's go. I wanted to start this podcast with this little anecdote, and you said it yourself. So Sony hit me up like two weeks ago, and they're like, hey, Amy's album's obviously coming out. Do you want her on the green room? And I was like, yeah, like I'll have Amy on. But you were on like last October? Yeah, I honestly <clears> feel <throat> like we speak. I speak to you more than I do like my parents. So that's- it, was, <laughs> it was like the day or two after the NRL grand final. So maybe that like, – because no, it was delayed, okay. right? I think it was late November. Yeah, maybe yeah. it was later than maybe it was earlier. It was November, I think. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start from there. How you been? What's been going on since November? <sighs> since November, um, I guess just like waiting for the world to get a bit healthier, and um, you know, they've obviously been waiting a minute for the album to come out. It's been delayed <laughs> a thousand times, so I feel excited actually because you know, finally we're two weeks away or something. Yeah. So I remember we you did a Zoom with me. You were in Byron, I think. Where were you after the NRL Grand Final? Yes, you that's a, right. You were Byron, right? I was on like a little ret- retreat. Yeah, and yeah. You, you could give me like a couple of little hints and teases about when the when the release was. I don't think you had an album title then. Yes. So what did I have? Yes, I did have an album name. Really? Yeah. No. I probably just didn't tell you. Or was it yeah, I'm sure you had it, but what you what you told me and didn't tell me, because like at that point, obviously, um, the Ed Sheeran song "Love Songs" yeah wasn't out. Um, yeah. you could tell me that it happened, but you shared no details. Yes, can of course. You, can you let's start from there at least? Can you now divulge a little bit what happened there? Because all we really know was that what probably a year ago, you posted that photo with Ed, being like, "Guess who I'm in the studio with?" 
Mm. And then there was nothing until like, oh, yeah, we've written a song together. Maybe it'll be on the album. Maybe it won't. We yeah. now know it will. So can you tell that story? <laughs> yes. Well, um, I mean, it was lined up by Russell Crowe and he just took it upon himself to send my album, Love Monster, to Ed. Pause. Russell Crowe. You can't just say, oh, Russell. Oh, mate, Rusty. What, what do you mean, Russell Crowe? When have you been friends with um, Russell Crowe? Yeah, I know. It's so random. But he's been a really, like, avid supporter of me. Um, kind of really as, – as soon as Adore came out, he kind of really championed everything. He, he's he got that in him. He sort of just wants to bring people up, especially if he's really vibing the music. And sure. he really was. So um, he invited me to his farm and it was so cool. We went like quad bike riding and he's got a beautiful studio there. And I'm not going to lie, there was like this big plaque that um, he had of like Ed because Ed had done something there. He, I think he did the song for Eminem or whatever at Russell's farm. And I might have like dropped a couple of little subtle hints to Russell, like, oh, God, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to work with him um, and just left it at that. Uh, and I, I kind of know the, the person Russell is. So, um, yeah, it was just great that he did that. And um, and then I heard from Ed. I didn't think I would. and But, yeah, it was like next time you're in the UK – Let's let's do some so writing. It was definitely in the UK because I don't even think the location was a thing. Well, the, public knowledge. I yeah, mean. no, probably not. Um, yeah. Oh no, because I was I was in the UK. Um, I don't know. If, I can't remember what I was putting on the gram back then. I know I didn't put much of me obviously doing the album, and I, there was no like studio footage. Mm. I made a sort of made a real thing of not doing that because I was capturing everything to do this kind of little docu-series thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it actually came together really easily. Like Ed's, you know, you think of Ed Sheeran and you think, wow, that's going to be so many hurdles and people to deal with. But he's got like – like his manager, um, Stu, was just like a legend. And, yeah, as soon as we locked the date in, it was just – it was – Smooth sailing. Like they helped us like where we should stay in Suffolk and it was it was amazing. It was just a day session? Yeah, but a long day, which was great because I love um I love getting into studios early. A lot of producers are like, Yeah, well let's meet there at like two PM and and I'm like, I'm not like that. So when Ed was like, Yeah, let's let's meet you at like ten AM, is that all right? I'm like, Yeah. I mean, I won't sleep all night anyway, so <laughs> for sure. So 10 a.m. till when? Like was it a late one as well? Or yeah, it- we would have finished up in the studio at about like six maybe um, and then we went back to his place and we had dinner and listened to the songs and because um, we actually um, pumped out another one. Um, but Love Songs Ain't For Us just was so addictive and we mm. played that so many times. Um while we were in his pub, but yeah, it it was really it was really exciting, and I still can't believe it actually all came about. To be honest, do you take anything away from working with a guy like Ed Sheeran in his? Well, I imagine it was his studio, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a couple. I think um, he's got one at his house, but we went to this um, this one in Suffolk. You can actually see a lot of it um, in that. I think he did like a songwriting documentary for Apple. And I remember because when I got there, I was like, oh, my God, this is the studio that he, you know, did a lot of his album at. But, um, yeah, his work ethic is crazy. You know, I thought I wrote a lot of songs and I thought that I 
put a lot of time into songwriting until I met him. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm actually nothing. I'm just a piece of shit yeah. <laughs> compared to him. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I saw you put on Instagram last night that little behind-the-scenes camera that Shane didn't know about. <laughs> that got heated. It gets heated, man. Is that like – but be honest. It's like is that the the huge for you guys being in the studio together? pretty PG, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. I mean, the – the reason I did it was so many artists um, can fall into the trap of being around people that just tell them what they want to hear. And I think the biggest um, sort of key weapon you can have in, in your team is someone who is really honest and um, someone really invested. And that's what Shane is. Um, and yeah, that's like a, that was, it, that's an everyday life, especially when we're about to put an album out. It's, you know, very passionate about the project. Um, I am with the songs. I'm a lot closer to the songs, obviously, but then him as a business point of view and obviously marketing and, and everything looks at it in a different light, which I need. I need to remember that sort of um, side as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, look, we have a very, very um, healthy sort of, partnership in yeah. this it sounds so brutal to so many people but it's just a laugh for us really like you mm. know because <laughs> it's probably an idea as well right like when you you say I, I worked with Ed Sheeran or I worked with Mark Hoppus we'll get to Blink later I promise they're, <laughs> they're like oh look look how great it is and like I imagine you just get in the studio and you laugh and you write a hit song and then you leave I imagine it's not that fucking simple no no um well the, a lot of the pressure is off sometimes because I've like with Psycho with Mark I had written the song so mm. the song was there I knew I was happy with it and um, it flowed nice there was you know all the parts were there so going into the studio is exciting because it just builds from there and when he said you know can I write my verse I was like amazing because it's it's Mark it's going to be amazing and it was with Ed I mean Ed was the f- Ed is the first um, person that I've ever done a session with where I like was sitting there going like lyric for lyric with somebody because even with like Jack Antonoff and Joel Little, they kind of knew I was a bit weird doing that. So they would like, you know, give me time or put the put the music on loop and like leave me to write the song, mm. which I love that. I love doing that um, in private most of the time. <laughs> um, but Ed, yeah, Ed was the first one that, you know, I sort of had this chord progression when he came in and it was weird because I was playing it and then he came back. He like fully came back to it. He's like, what were you playing before? And I was like, how do you know? How do you even pick that up? Like, Were he, you just fucking around or was yeah, that something? Yeah, it's just you- like noodling around. I think I was actually um, – I knew after that session I was going to finish um, Everybody Rise with Joel in New Zealand. So I think I was, I was on the same capo and similar um, chord progression because uh, I was like practicing Everybody Rise. So – Ed took a, a little bit of those chords and we altered them a little bit. And um, and then, yeah, we, we had our progression, our chord progression that we loved. And we hit a couple of little um, hurdles along the way. I was trying to think of the right melody and right lyrics and everything. And and usually if I hit a hurdle, um, if, if it takes too long, I usually just go, no, nah, I'm going to switch it up mm. and change the chord progression, see if something else comes. But Ed's like not like that. He's like he just keeps going until we have it and and I'm glad that he did because you know I kind of learned to stick with stick with it just a little longer cuz you you know could 
land in some magic if you don't be such a brat and switch how, up too how early. Do you, how do you get over that fear though? Let's say, for example, if you were playing that and you walked in and said, hey, what's that? And you said, oh, it's just this thing. He's like, never play that again. That's awful. <laughs> like, is there a fear that your heroes can be pricks? Yeah, of course. I'm lucky. I mean, I mean, we all know Ed Sheeran isn't a prick, so <laughs> I knew that that would never happen. Um, I've been really lucky with the people I've worked with that no one's – been a dick like there's been sessions before of course that I've gone into this is why I'm so weird with sessions because I'm like no I really don't feel like dealing with some cheesy um songwriting person Mm. today you know um I have this really good thing now with my publisher in in LA um that I just send like a, a warning thing and then she just calls me and says that I have promo or something like that so it gets me out of any weird <laughs> songwriting sessions because yeah. it's also like a waste of time yeah you know, like if I've got a really good guitar, like, um, idea and then I'm giving it to this person and this person's telling me, you know, what, what we should write about. I'm I just like, and especially if it's not something that I think is good, I'm like, look, I would, bro, I'd rather just go to the next studio without you in it and just finish this song. Like if that's okay. Um, and I know that sounds bad, but it's like, there's so, there's so many songwriters, so many sessions you can do. Some are great and some are just a waste of time. So Can't you just politely say, like, I'm just so busy, so busy right now? I would rather someone else be the dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been pretty lucky as well. Like, Zig and I talk about it a lot. Like, I'm yet to have someone on this podcast that is just an absolute dick. Yeah. You have some people that, you know, they might, like, this is very much like I'm, I'm here for work and I'll smile on camera and then as soon as the camera's off, it's like I'm out. Yeah. Like you. But <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, but like, yeah, no one has been flat out a prick. Like just not nice. Yeah, on like camera. giving you nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because so that, that, that would more happen for, for you. I mean, yeah, luckily totally, yeah. it hasn't happened. But yeah. But like, yeah, I'd be nervous as an interviewer. Yeah. And like, oh, God. Yeah. Please don't be boring. Or like, please just give me something or just don't be rude to and me. It happens. Sometimes like they're very shy and you're like, this is not the medium yeah. for you, my friend, <laughs> at all. Why did you agree to this? Yeah. After the break, Amy tells me about the most personal song to date and why it had to be on Cry Forever. An Elmo doll that wants to kill its owner. A kid's TV show where the main character has a giant penis. Poop-flavoured ice cream. A meme that destroyed someone's life. These are just a few of the hot-button issues we tackle here on That Sucks. A podcast for your ears. I'm Troy Neverman. And I'm Dan Cribb. And if you don't listen to That Sucks on the Handshake Agency Network, then you suck. Join us each fortnight as we unpack some of the biggest fails across pop culture and beyond, joined by the occasional special guest. Head over to thepodcasts.com.au to check out That Sucks Now. You can also find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever good podcasts are sold. Well, now I can say I've listened to the album in full. You know how I feel about Love Monster, so I'm not going to pander yeah. to you about that. But, wow. Holy shit. I, I was away. I was down the South Coast last week, so I listened to it a couple times then. Um, it annoys me that you released this song last week. I was going to walk in and be like, oh, my God, this is my favourite song and here's why. And this is like another – because I, what I said to you last time, the um, You Think I Think I Sound Like God is, is like the Soko Amaretto line for your album. Uh-huh. Amy Shark feels like that, the song Amy Shark. The reception has been pretty unanimous in that people have cried listening to this song for the first time. Um, it's very deep. And you can politely tell me to go fuck myself. Can you tell me a little bit about who this song is directed to? Who are you talking to? Um, so firstly, no. But I can um, <laughs> say that I started writing about – started 
writing with one particular person in mind, which actually starts a lot of my songs off, is about sort of one person on my mind. And then the more the more I get into it, it I can sort of start feeling it's more than that and it's about more people or more another bigger topic, um, which is what happened with Amy Shark. And like um, it was, you know, like a really difficult one to write and um, hard one to record, probably be a hard one to perform live. I don't know, still don't know if that, if I'm going to do that, but um, yeah, look, it's, it was necessary. I, I wanted so much to not beat Love Monster because Love Monster is like, you know, it's still my baby mm. and um, I love it so much, but I just wanted to keep, keep upping the ante. And the only way to do that for an artist like me is to really become a, like, just take vulnerable to another level. And, um, I kind of know my fans now. I didn't really, I kind of was doing Love Monster, um, not in a rush, but just, just going, going, going and didn't really know if I even had fans, let alone what they were like. Well, they were and just jumping on the train as it kept going, right? Yeah, we, yeah. We, we all were trying to keep up with the train. So, um, you know, now, you know, after three, four years, I can sit back and this is what I, I love doing is just because people are like, oh, but is that what you're going through now? It's like, no, now I can sit back and look at it and be able to put it into words right and digest it and explain it. Um, and that's where, that's what I did with Amy Shark. That's what I did with the whole album really was just, you know, the, the best thing I did was not stop writing. Like I kept writing all through touring Love Monster. Like I was, I was going through so many things with so many people and um, and just capitalized on that and wrote about everything. And Amy Shark was just a perfect ending to a bigger picture. Um, not just, oh man, touring's hard or th- people, this has changed and that's changed. Oh man, I'm frustrated at that person or why isn't this working? Or, whatever. Um, or why is, I love this. I'm, I'm happy with this person. Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the love right now. Like Amy Shark was just like a, such a bigger, um, bigger topic and um yeah it it just felt right to and to go there you know and I, I know what what my fans are like now they're like they're like me like like they just like real storytelling raw stuff and um it was just like rick- ripping a band-aid off it kind of just had it had to happen yeah for this for this album do you think it's the most personal song you've ever written oh yeah for sure yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, opening like up my, my head and just actually walking around inside it. Um, that's how I kind of wrote it was like I usually do, setting the scene of where I, where I am or where I was brought up. And um, I don't know, I feel like it, it, it helps tell the story better if I can take you there. At, you know, yeah. from the very beginning. Um, and that obviously it, it was hard to find the right words because I don't go out to um, publicly bash anyone. But um, unfortunately, I just tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. In these screaming matches we now know you have with Shane, was this song brought up? Like was there a lot of conversation about is this too much? This definitely needs to be put on. Was there ever a conversation about there's no way this is not going on the album? Shane came home from a run 
ranting just like I could hear him going before he even opened the gate. I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, he's coming in hot. He's coming in hot. Um, and I tried to actually set the camera. I love capturing him when he's just like wild with ideas and stuff. And he's like, I know what your album's missing. I know what it's missing. You need to put Amy Shark on it. And at that point it was called something else, which I won't say, but um, I was still kind of crafting it, but he was really excited about it. And I was like, I think I'm just going to do this for me. Like I think this is like a one of those weird songs that um, I'm just writing for myself. Sure. And he was like, but and, – and once again he comes at it from a different angle. He's like, no, but you, there's actually – there's hooks in it. Like there's melody in it and there's this in it. Like listen to this bit. And I just – I just unload – when I write, so I'm 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 lucky in a way. Lightning strikes and it falls into something that actually sounds nice to listen to. Um, and he points that out a lot to me, which is which I'm grateful for. Um, but he was like, "Yeah, yeah, the album's great. It's amazing up until this point. I mean, Baby Steps didn't really make it until Shane was like, it needs Baby Steps on there, right? Because um, we had a lot of songs. Like, I mean, a lot of songs, and um, it just had to be the best. Uh, like you just had to have every kind of color in this album and, and every emotion. And um, yeah, he kind of at the last minute added baby steps and, and sort of convinced me to put Amy shark on the album. So. Is he just a good debater? It just feels like he was like, he said he, he, d- he wants to do this and you're kind of like, good point. All the time. <laughs> um, but the good thing about it is if I've got a good point as well, he kind of bends the knee as well. So we both know, um, we can both sleep on something and be like, yeah, I think you're actually right about that. Or I can be like, Hey, um, I'm just going to pull you up on this cause this is pretty shit. Yeah. And then he'll do the same to me. He'll be like, Hey, when you do this, it actually came across like this. And it's just so good to have someone there that, um, you can put a bunch of shit on, um, and they still can't leave you. And, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's like the funniest dude ever, but um, some people think he's a bit harsh. But I need that in my life. Yeah. I need that honesty. Otherwise, I'm just going to be a real dick. Yeah. All right, well, now for the douchebag critic um, question. What does this album mean to you as far as what, what message are you sitting out here? What is it about? Like you said, Love Monster was kind of first album, you blew up, fans are coming along for the ride. Obviously, Love Monster did what it did. What is Cry Forever about for you? Um, I think it's more like a, like I've had the, the question a million times, what do you want people to take away from this and what do you want? That, you I know, told you it was a douchebag question. It's such a douche. Like, you, you, you're better than this. No, I'm joking. We'll so edit it's out. a great I'm question. I'm so sorry, Zig. <laughs> Zig's going to be so disappointed. You're going to leave you and say, what the fuck was that about? Tick. Never again. <laughs> no, it's a great question. Well, I was like, I, as I was listening to this album, I was kind of like, like there's there's some uplifting songs there, some really sad songs. Then obviously you get to the end with Amy Shark. Is this a, is this a positive album? Is this a a romantic album? It's called Cry Forever. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> mate, sell the album, please. It's all the things. Crying with happiness. <laughs> um. No. Okay. So I think. Yeah. I never really, like, I'm not one of these people that, like, I'm, my album's going to be like this. I just write songs, you know, mm. and pray to God that they all make sense when they're in a body of work. And um, I think it's more, this album is more about what uh, about what people can learn about me. Um, and I love that people can relate, but I'm just giving people just more of m- my life, I guess, in songs. And... Yeah. Um, 
yeah, and just like just like everything else I do, just keeping it as real as I possibly can in hopes that it helps, um, you know, a couple of people, you know, um, whether it is an uplifting sort of um, pop everybody rise or not that that's an uplift, not that that's about an uplifting topic, but um, come on is really, you know, obviously has our friend Travis on it, but um, close friend, close, very close, close personal close, friend, very close. Does he follow you yet? No. I've dropped your name a few times. Are you serious? <laughs> But you know that's like that's like me just like getting through the music industry and learning and 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 so much of this album is a lot of the past does kind of creep in every now and then like topics that I still obviously are in my subconscious that sort of still kind of bleed into to song writing for me but um you know a lot of songs end up a lot of songs aren't even really meant to be romantic, but I'm also a businesswoman and I, and I need to sell records. So it's yep. like some songs I'm not going to hold everyone's hand through. Like maybe they are romantic, maybe they're about something that's actually not romantic that I needed to write about, but in order to connect, it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's not one's, Love Monster was very much this is about this person and this is about this topic and that topic only. Like Cry Forever has songs where the first verse is about that person and the second verse is about this kind of topic and then the third verse is definitely about that person. So, you know, that's just how it happened, I guess, because, you know, I kind of – there were so many songs that I was working on. So I would go back to a song and I'd be feeling differently about something, you know. So some songs are a little bipolar and they make total sense like within the song. But for me personally – people would be very surprised um, that this line can be about that and that line within the same song is about a whole different person. Do you feel normality coming back now? Obviously, you're touring in a couple of months after Cry Forever's out um, in arenas. Holy shit. Obviously seated because of the situation, but still arenas. That's pretty incredible. Do you feel that normality coming back now of like, I think I saw you perform at the Red Room at Horton yep. Pavilion earlier this year, but that was still very much COVID. Oh, yeah. We're all in like little mini backyards. Yep. You looked up, what was that all about? <laughs> you lingered. What was that about? Saw that? No, it was just like, it was good. It was a great night. No, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was weird, but it was, it was a really cool fucking show. Yeah. yeah, it was just great to play, right? Yeah, yeah, but the, yeah, arenas are coming back, which is fucking awesome. Do you feel that coming back now with, it's a perfect time with the album release out, you can now travel and do shows and mm. see giant crowds of people back your shows. That's awesome. I, yeah. I, I'm like, because f- for so long it was really obviously touch and go, like what do we, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? So many artists every day were having to say, you know, like got to cancel, got to postpone. I'm like, guys, I don't want to be, I don't want to do that. Mm. Like I don't care if we have to downsize. I don't care if we have to get on a back of a truck. I got to play this album. I, I can't push it back anymore you know um I've waited so long um I love playing this album as well so I'm really excited to do it but um yeah luckily it feels like everything is going to go to plan and I think everyone was like um nervous to to like break it to me that it's going to be seated and I'm like that actually I mean that sounds like a really fun night for someone if I if I was going to see a show and I got to sit down be comfortable stand up at my seat if I wanted to dance. I mean, that sounds like a really fun night. So um, buy tickets. Are you able to start mapping out 
something post that. Like again, in the last 12 months, it's kind of just been like, no, I can't really do anything. We're in lockdown. So here's the album. Enjoy it. Can you start blueprinting something of what you want to do after the tour is done? Like, do you want to go back to LA for a bit? Do you want to, mm. do you want to travel? Are you still writing? Are you just going to fuck off for a little bit and just do nothing? Cause you probably should. <laughs> I'm definitely going to find a week. I'm finding a week to go to New Zealand. That's for sure. Right. I really am going to go like fishing and just totally be off the grid for a as long as I can, but I have just put an album out, so I don't know (laughs) when that's going to happen. So, um, but I, yeah, even if it's just a few days, I need to just chill because it has been so much like, like, man, I can't even, I've been sitting with this for just so long. It's like being pregnant with an album for way too long. And it's just like, I get to be induced soon and it's going to be friggin' amazing. Mm. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's just wild, but I can see like, I mean, I, I didn't get told everything, but I hear whispers, um, cause I live with my manager. So, um, <laughs> I hear whispers from, um, my management overseas and, um, it sounds like things could, things could be happening over there. Maybe, yep. um, I don't want to jinx this, but it's, yeah, it's sound like I would, man, I started something so great in North America and Europe. And the UK, and I'd, I want nothing more than to promote this album um, around the world. Mm. <laughs> Come on, global. <laughs> Sorry. Amy, thank you so much. <laughs> I think we can even call there. That's perfect. Um, congrats on the album again. I listened to it like three or four times back to back. Do I you, loved it. Be honest, though. Do, do I hated it. It was fucking <laughs> awful. I don't even know why we're doing this. No, why would I? If, no, I know. Sorry, if, Sony actually, said, hey, if, if Sony said, hey, can Annie come on? I would have been like, oh, I'm just, I would have done what you did. Hey, Zig, can you just tell her I'm just in a, another meeting? I'm just so busy. Tell her I'm no, I fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. Good. I'm and glad because I, I, I actually care about your opinion. Um, don't fuck. No, I do. I, bro, I'm here like every week. Like, <laughs> that is true, yeah. You're in this office more than I am. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I love it. I can't wait for people to hear it. Thank you, Neil. Thank you so much. And um, I'm sure we'll you'll be on the show in two weeks. So we'll talk then. Yeah, I'll see you soon. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. nice one bro that's our episode thank you so much for listening and thank you again to Amy Shark for coming on her album is called Cry Forever it is out everywhere be sure to check it out and get Amy her second number one Aria debuting album if you could please and don't forget Amy will be touring the country later this year in June she's playing in Newcastle Sydney Melbourne Hobart Gold Coast Brisbane Adelaide and Perth head over to themusic.com.au for all of the dates and venues and make sure you keep an eye out on the Green Room Podcast over at thepodcast.com.au because next week I'm very excited to be joined by Rob McElhenney and Charlotte Nigdeo of Mythic Quest Apple TV fans will know this show and obviously you'll know Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia they come on next week to talk all about season 2 of Mythic Quest it's coming to Apple TV very soon very excited to talk all about it but until then head over to thepodcast.com.au to listen to other Green Room episodes as well as the take with Willie Mason That Sucks and Rewind with Steve Bell and if you do want to get in touch head over to team at thepodcast.com.au we'd love to hear from you otherwise rate, subscribe, review do all the fun things things and we'll talk to you next week see you then
Griffiths is a podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Neil Griffiths, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker, executive producer Craig Trewick.